0: want to just pull the curtain back sure i want to feel do, like there's the I curtain
1: we should we should have like a new segment called pulling the curtain back because i feel like we, we both do that a lot
0: in a or good we just, way just like every week we share something
1: like, <laughs> We're like you know and, what audience we got to pull the curtain back here's pete's visa card number we got to give right, you like yeah. this is you got to know how the show's made here you go
0: well what's really funny is that like <laughs> so this, now this is a side note. Sure. But I was thinking, I was thinking about this the other day, and now some, what you've just said has kind of made me, mm. has made me think of it. Yep. You have always been, it much to my laughter and, and <laughs> shaking my head at you, going that it doesn't make any it doesn't make any difference. Don't worry about it. But whatever, you have always been very private on the podcast in terms of who the hell you actually are.
1: Oh yeah. Like if we had t-shirts of each person's role in the podcast, mine would be private Pete and you would be bashful Brady. Is bashful the right word? I don't know if that's the right word, but.
0: And contagious Carl. And so. (laughs) and uh okay bashful
1: bashful is definitely not the right word because you are not reluctant to draw attention to oneself or shy
0: right no (laughs) um so but you've always been like yeah you've always been kind of guarded about like oh yeah you know what what your last name is and even like what
1: my hair color is
0: yeah i beat it Wow, it's Mostly gray, um but even <laughs> I beat around the bush like we've we've talked about you work in the healthcare industry, but that's mm. the extent of yep. you know what we've w- where we've taken it mm-hmm. um, and we've also <laughs> talked about how funny it is that Carl's the total opposite on the podcast oh, Carl will give yeah. all it's, of the details
1: he's like, my house address is this, yeah. And my work schedule's this, so if you come at this time, you can steal my Xbox.
0: But what made me think about it, and what I think is really funny, is we also haven't been secretive of the fact that, like, you and Carl live in the same town. Right. And so, like, it's just funny that I feel like at every turn, Carl is counteracting (laughs) and undoing everything that I do. Yeah, be like, oh, you know, this is my address. Yeah, this, this is where I live. And if you go three streets up, one over, and count four houses on the left, then you're at Pete's. Like, it's just and for except for the reference, that's
1: not the actual directional difference.
0: Uh, I don't. No, I don't think no. so. No. Have, no. No. <laughs> <sighs> but yes so anyways yeah. i think that's funny but no oh the thing that i wanted to pull the curtain back about so we've mm. talked about several times on this show wait by the way first of all hello and welcome welcome to the movie
1: man podcast i am reluctant pete and bold brady is my co-host
0: boisterous boisterous um, We've we've pulled back the curtain on this a couple of times in the past, wherein mm. that you and I, the way that we choose the four options for any voting, right. that we do is yep. you submit to and I submit to, mm-hmm. and so your the ones that you put forward this time this week yep. were Fern Gully, yep, and the Mighty Ducks.
1: Yep. Yeah. We continued in our journey. This is vote number
0: two. For 1992, Mm -hmm. and and Fern Gully won by a landslide. I'll just uh, we'll just put that out there. That's not what I'm pulling the curtain back about, but it it won by a landslide. Um, Second place, a distant second, was Mighty Ducks. I'm actually really shocked. I would have guessed maybe a battle between Beethoven and Mighty Ducks, and I would have guessed that Beethoven would have slightly edged it out. Beethoven did poorly. It didn't do well. So I don't I, I don't know what that's about. But anyways, so then, Ferngully.
1: Just for the record, Captain Ron came in last, mm-hmm. and I was really I forgot that movie existed. So I'm a little. Have sad you seen that it? it? Not for fifteen to twenty years. It's Gosh, weird. Actually, okay. Let's be honest. Probably not twenty to twenty five years.
0: It's really weird because there is, today's the day of tangents, in Captain Ron, which I think, like, it's marketed, like, I guess it's not a kid's movie. No? Like, it's just a 90s comedy.
1: Oh, okay. I kind of assumed it was for kids, but I didn't look too deep.
0: Well... And I always used to think it was for kids because the first time I ever caught wind of this or knew that it was a thing was years ago. It was on at like 9.30, maybe 10 o'clock at night. So I guess that's your hint. But it was on the family <laughs> channel
1: that oh. I caught it.
0: And the right. family channel for our non-Canadian listeners is the Canadian channel that like licenses mm. a lot of like the Disney channel stuff. Yeah. And, and it's all like it's just kids programming. Non stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's like there's a, a shower sex scene in this movie. What? Oh yeah. Oh and man. you see like a bare butt pressed up what? against um like frosted shower stall glass.
1: Okay, maybe I saw like the T te- A, I don't remember any of this. B I don't remember any of the film. But C, I'm wondering if like back in the day I saw like the TV edited. Yeah. Whatever rendition but And who then knows.
0: And it's it's the two parents, it's Martin Short's character and um, whoever plays his wife in this. Mm. And they so they're they're going at it on this boat in this shower <laughs> stall. And Kurt Russell's character, Captain Ron, like goes looking for them, hmm. finds them doing what they're doing, leaves, <sighs> goes back up to where he's playing Monopoly with the with the kid, the boy on deck, and And the kid's like, Where's my parents? And Captain Ron. And this, I saw this when I was like, I don't know, 10, 11. And this is like became a saying of mine for a while, which it totally shouldn't have. But he's like,
1: I can only imagine. He's
0: like, Your parents are playing hide the salami in the shower. What? Oh my God. So it's definitely not a kid movie, but I totally thought it was. Anyways, so Fern Gully won by a landslide. And you sent me. Um, you do the, the tallying of the votes yep. when we do votes. Yep. Um, and then I do the other 900 things. Um, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding, but I, well, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You do the
1: other, you do the other
0: 700 things. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and you were like, you sent that to me. You were like, ah, oh, Fern Gully won. And you're like. Like it, not in so many words, but kind of the 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 essence that you were projecting was this essence of like son of a bitch. Like I don't want this yeah. to win. <laughs> and I was like, it was she your picked... vote option. <laughs> it this was. was your. I think I said it was your effing vote option. Something like, what are you talking about? Sides. And you're like, well, you know, I just saw the cast and like I'd never seen it before, and then you were like. You know, a couple days ago, I put it on just out of curiosity. I watched 15 minutes of it. I was going to blow my own brains out. I shut it off. I could not watch it. I don't want to watch this. And I was like, well, okay, well, I mean, we're going to. And then this past weekend, after that conversation, and prior to sitting down and watching it myself, I was at a get-together of Brianne's family, and I said and "You pulled the old
1: The old Fern Gully deep, you know. Fern
0: Gully came up as it does, and I was like, you know, (laughs) I I have to watch Fern Gully for the podcast. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Brianne's sister in law said, "You're going to like." Overheard was having a different conversation. Overheard and was like, "You're going to love it." Like you are really, really, really going to like Fern Gully, and I didn't respond and say, "Well, rumor has it, it's dog shit." I just said, oh, okay. And then I went into Fern Gully with sort of mixed, <laughs> I I didn't know, mixed messages. I didn't know what to expect going into this. So, right. Fern Gully. Do you want to do some initial impressions? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, yeah, It. I
1: don't necessarily have a trivia piece, but let me just put a phrase out there before we do initial okay. impressions. Mm-hmm. It's just wild to think that we're reviewing a film, mm-hmm. an animated film,
0: first time that, ever.
1: that is a project that includes Robin Williams mm-hmm. and you would jump to say, Disney, or you, Disney's Aladdin if you're saying, "Oh, an animated project with Robin Williams." No, mm-hmm. this is a different film. Okay, we're going to review an animated film. Yeah, we're going to review an animated film with Elton John music from the 90s. And you go, "Oh yeah, Lion King." It's like, "No, no, no. This is this is a different project where they worked on this together. Like I think that is interesting, but
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, it's it catches my attention. And, and not
0: only like we'll get into this at some point, mm-hmm. but not only Elton John music and I don't know if you picked up on this. I had to pause the movie and get my Stop. phone out. I'm not going to burst your
1: bubble, but I am very excited with what I think you're going to say.
0: Okay. Are we talking? Uh, we won't, we won't, we no, won't unwrap this, it. we won't unwrap no, no. this chocolate bar yet, but are we talking about like, it's raining? Absolutely. No, absolutely. Wrap,
1: unwrap it now. Just, okay. I, I want on the record to say if we're talking with the same thing, we're very
0: excited. Is, is, is it the it's raining life or whatever it is song? Raining like magic. Yeah, okay, and so I'm watching the movie, and the mo- the song ends, and I pause yeah. it, and right. literally out loud, I'm like, was that a Raffy? Yes, it absolutely was. And so then I Googled it, and I was like, holy shit. Right? Ra- like, so, so, if you could be any more indicative of early 90s yes, children's entertainment. I
1: know. Oh.
0: for so, and do you know uh-huh. what so many people are listening to this right now and they're like, Who the hell's right? Yeah, so
1: peeling yeah. it back, Canadian uh singer oh, I didn't even know that. Uh, 99, know percent sure, ninety-nine percent sure. Ninety nine percent sure. Um I I will Google that as I'm looking it up. But uh yeah, Canadian singer songwriter, um of children's entertainment he and very, very um pro Earth pro uh like peace and love and things like that uh like he he he, his big song is baby beluga and it's about yeah
0: and
1: he's he's morphed <laughs> like as he's he's not just like been this one and done kind of guy in the 90s he's still active uh oh, shit! He's still, he still lives he's, here in toronto
0: dude uh i thought he lived in vancouver but i could be wrong uh, eventually settling in toronto i don't know maybe he's moved
1: right cuz i follow but- him on i i legit follow him on twitter <laughs> and he um he he's like he has this like cafe and i thought it was in like vancouver that he performs but i could be wrong but regardless anyway he's 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 morphed and he still exists today so he's still um garners his songs towards children, but he also garners it towards the adults who grew up with his music. And he's a bit of a social activist. And uh, like I said, again, pro-earth, pro-humanity pro of right. of equality and things like that. So very cool, very c- neat Canadian content. But yeah, I was on the exact same page. I, I also paused it and I said, wait a minute. Is mm-hmm. that Rafi? And it absolutely was. That made my day. It and really did. And did you know...
0: That Rafi is actually his first name. To be honest, no, I didn't. Raffi uh, yeah, I didn't. Kavokia. He was born in Cairo. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's super Egyptian, man. Oh, so that's, man, that's so cool. Which explains it because he's got sort of that, like, like mocha skin tone. Yeah. Like, he's not white-white. No, no. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Anyways, yeah, cool. I was like, is that freaking Raffi? Like, it absolutely was. And it was amazing was. to me. I was so proud of myself because right. I probably haven't heard Raffi's. I probably haven't heard audio of Rafi singing in 26, well, no, in like 22 years. That's cool. And and it's not even like the raffiest song but oh, it was no. enough that i heard it and was like i feel like some of the the not mannerisms but some of the the his diction and just like certain tones in the voice this feels like raffy I was like, so I was overjoyed. Anyways, initially, I I
1: recognized him, and his music still plays in my house, and my kids watch old videos of him from the nineties, and they're so nineties, they're so nineties. They hurt like the the shirts he's wearing, and like just everything about it is so corny, but so wholesome and awesome. And uh, yeah, I should look up
0: and see if I can find at some point. Uh, There it is, right there. There it is right there, the concert that I had on VHS as, as a kid. Oh, baby. Uh, and so that's the amazing thing now, right? Like, there it is. I had that on VHS, and, and in a non-YouTube world, that's lost. That's right. gone. Yep. And I, I did that the other day where I was like, oh, man, there was this cassette that I listened to when I was a kid, you know, blah, 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 and I just wish wish I had it. And then I was like, wait a second. And I hopped on Spotify and it was all right there. And I was like, so I listened to this. I listened to it. I was like, this is amazing. What a time. Anyways, (laughs) initial impressions. Finally. Let's do it. Uh, Okay. So, like, this film sucks. Um, Oh, man. Like, (laughs) what I will say right off the bat is I feel like... It has, it has a redeeming quality. Sure. And that redeeming quality is I laughed out loud by myself several times at Robin Williams' lines. Lines that sure. uh, you knew mm-hmm. were improvised. You knew that wasn't someone writing for Robin. Oh, yeah, no. That was Robin mm-hmm. just... Given the reins and told do something funny.
1: Well, so and um, what I looked up was apparently he his role was only supposed to be limited to eighteen sorry eight minutes like zero eight right. minutes and he provided fourteen hours of improvised lines so they had to expand his
0: role. There's one there's like there's one line where they're talking about um pollu- air pollution in cities or something mm. and Robin's like. You know, yeah, it's not so bad not so bad if you don't mind getting all your minerals in one breath. <laughs> it was just like uh it was so so Robin Williams is fire in this. Mm. Sure. Really, really good. I don't think mm-hmm. he's got a bad moment. Yep. I'm all for not I'm all for independent animation projects. Mm. I'm all for projects that aren't Disney, Dreamworks, Sony, right, you know, whatever it is. And so, and and I'm willing to tolerate poorer animation as a result because mm. uh, the animation is poor. I'm going to say that. It's it's mm. it's stylistic and maybe some people will enjoy it and blah blah blah, but mm-hmm. it it was just very the animation felt low budget, felt rushed, felt corners cut to me. Hmm. However, what I don't excuse or accept or make allowances for in any film, independent, low budget, big blockbuster, whatever, is just shitty writing, like poor mm. dialogue, yeah, awkward conversations exposition kind of jammed in here, there, and everywhere, or moments that could use a little bit of explaining and were just meant to go with it. Like, there were several moments in this film where it seemed to jump back and forth from, okay, maybe this could be a children's movie to this feels like dialogue, action, plot device, story progression, what have you that I would expect to take place in a 22-minute episode of an <laughs> animated kids' show. Like, it just, it just, because there are times where the film seems to move super slow. Mm. And then there are times where it's just a breakneck speed. And that breakneck speed, to me, was indicative of, like, that, that, 22-minute kid show episode thing, right? Where, like, the, the movie starts and there's this kid and she's flying up and then all of a sudden there's an explosion over there and she comes back down and, like, and it just... It, and all the while this is happening, we're, like, 15 minutes into the film and I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. Like, you <laughs> haven't done anything to actually introduce me to them. Mm-hmm. Like, this feels like episode five of the second season of Fern Gully... Where I'm supposed to already know these characters, and you're just setting up the little adventure that Fern Gully is going to go on. To, I know that's not her name, which is stupid. Yeah. Prior to watching it, I was like, you would assume the girl on the front of the... You, you assume that's a character, right? <laughs> Did you assume Fern Gully? I assumed it would be, yeah. Right. So But anyways, so I think it's a shitty film. I didn't enjoy it. We'll unpack why I think that might be as we go on. But, yeah, the only real redeeming thing for me, the two redeeming things would be Robin Williams is fantastic, and I applaud you for attempting a strong moral message. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. But... But it's really poorly written and distractingly badly animated. And I just didn't like this movie. I just really, I was like, you know, I should give me a YouTube edit of all the Robin Williams lines. I'll watch that a couple more times. <laughs> the actual right. film, I don't ever need to see this again. Right. What are your initial impressions?
1: Yeah, I would echo some of those things. Some of them might be a bit different. But again, it is... Interesting, like I alluded to, there's a 90s cartoon with Robin Williams, Elton John in it, and, you know, if you've seen Lion King and if you've seen Aladdin, to me that puts up, my ears perk up and go, ooh, this is interesting, but I think I would mirror what you said, it doesn't really pan out for me, the impressive cast is great, mm-hmm. um, you're right, Robin Williams is pretty decent, I wouldn't say he's peak Aladdin, but... Um, although it came out the same year. I don't think it's as much of a... uh, You know, it's not like he warmed up in Fern Gully and was better in Aladdin. I think maybe just Aladdin was a bit better written, or at least he had some more opportunities to kind of really shine. And I think the musical numbers were better in Aladdin, so that helped him. But yeah, even though Robin Williams and Elton John are in this, there is a big drop-off in quality compared to the 1990s bangers that we're talking about here. There's a drop-off in the soundtrack. Not... I'm not ripping on Raffi's soundtrack or Elton John's soundtrack per se, but like the orchestra, like the actual music. Um, And the musical numbers like performed by Robin Williams, I think just are a drop off as well. Maybe just didn't have the same budget as, you know, friend like me or Prince Ali, like they did on Aladdin where Robin Williams was able to shine. So I'd say a lot of drop offs there. Uh, And it was not enough for Robin Williams to kind of single-handedly carry the film. So a little bit of disappointment, Uh, But just as far as tone and whatnot, I got some similar avatar vibes, and I get where you're coming from, I get where this film's coming from, of just, you know, a pro-Earth, pro-climate awareness message, so I can see why you get behind that. I can see why a lot of actors took a reduced pay to be a part of this project. Um, Maybe there's something to say about the, the whole point of the movie, where, you know, the <laughs> I, I guess I'm just not sure the the actual message was delivered so to speak just because at the end of the film there's like the the problem is resolved and the dire situation is like oh well we're moving on we're great that thank glad that's wrapped up like a, I think it maybe just poo-poos the direness of the world situation but regardless yeah. I would say a little bit underwhelming as far as my hopes for it I I Didn't remember a lot as a kid. I remembered a couple scenes, but when I looked at the cast list, I went, ooh, Tim Curry, ooh, Robin Williams, ooh, like Chong, like, we got some star power here. And, uh, um, oh, who played the female, the female, like, godmother? That was, um, was that not someone famous, too?
0: Um, Sigourney Weaver? No. No? What, uh, I don't know what the godmother's name is. Yeah,
1: just a second, just a sec. Hold on. Hold on. Nope, I don't mm. think it was anyone famous. Totally thought it was the Ghostbusters chick, but it clearly wasn't.
0: Grace Zabrinsky.
1: Right, never mind. She's the mother from Twin Peaks. That's why I recognized her voice.
0: Yeah, she was also in Child's Play, too. So, there's that.
1: <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, listen... We can get into it a little bit here. I do think it's interesting that, yeah, the the movie came out at a time when, from my perspective, I could be maybe misinformed here, but Disney cartoons, or sorry, cartoons were making a hit and a comeback, right? So maybe that's kind yeah. of where this film had a bit of a platform to stand on as far as some interest, right? So I read well, the- and I, I think specifically
0: because of Disney. Like you say, you kind of corrected yourself and took away from Disney, but I think Mm. Disney's golden era, right? Your your Lion Kings, your Little Mermaids, your Aladdins, your Beauty and the Beasts, those Mm -hmm. gave way to the animated renaissance.
1: Yes. You're right. Set the stage. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. I was reading the producer for this really felt this project came to life because of the success of little mermaid where then that breathed a little life into this project could have a bit of a, a bit of a platform to jump on. I do. I do want to say, and I guess I didn't have high expectations for the animation. Um, The, the film had a budget of 24 million, and apparently a lot of it was devoted to the soundtrack and the animation. I actually didn't mind the animation. I, You know, is it crisp and as sharp as some other projects of the time and era? Maybe not. But I, I didn't think it was horrible. And I I think I, I get that maybe it's just more of an artistic rendition of some of the graphics that they use is just a very different style. And maybe I was just okay with that. Um, but it didn't rub me the wrong way. It didn't rub me as hard as it maybe it bothered you. And I,
0: No. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think I reached a point pretty early on where I was like, okay, if I approach this super critically, mm-hmm. it's going to be a five-hour episode.
1: <laughs> like, I
0: could just sit and rip.
1: Well, I think what's big for me is the villain of the film mm-hmm. played by Tim Curry. The o- oily Hexus. 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 Um I think the problem for me with him is two things. One, the actual character itself. So let's just call it apples for apples here. If we're looking at other Disney Disney movies, so you've got uh, Jafar from Aladdin you've got Ursula from Little Mermaid all these kind of comparables when this renaissance as you called it is happening we've the, the villains in this have a lot more maybe not layers but a bit more backstory a bit more depth as with Hexus is literally a blob mm-hmm. just he's evil Yeah, he's just this not relatable just evil evil of like essence of evil and it's not to the point of being scary it's just like he's evil and then that's it so as a result it's a pretty lame character quite honestly and then as a result tim curry is like no rip on tim curry but he could just phone in this role like there's not there's nothing for him to do like and so i think that's why it's a double-edged negative here where the character is poor and because the character is poor and there's not much for it to happen with tim curry is underused so there's
0: no nuance for him to pursue not at all this so role. yeah
1: like it and listen actually tim curry plays a lot of cartoon villains in beauty and the beast uh there's a christmas version of beauty and the beast where he plays an mm-hmm. evil organ you actually get some pretty decent character depth and uh play out from tim curry so i think that i mean the role, tim Curry's amazing he is amazing so I think the role is poorly written and as a result Tim Curry does not get to flex and kind of flesh out that character hmm yeah
0: oh my god there's a sequel <laughs> uh,
1: from my understanding you know
0: it was straight to it's straight to Disney, director video.
1: Just yeah but yeah. like
0: nobody returned like no there's not a name in this cast that you recognize man that's It's pretty cold. Really, really like went. (laughs) Yeah, as as you see quite often with these, like the animation style has got almost zero detail in it now. Like they really Mm. just like pulled back. There's probably there was zero budget for this. Oh, yeah. Gosh, why? why? Um, and it came out in like. Uh, nineteen ninety eight. So it came out six years later. I don't know. Like at that point, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) well, I I guess you can say, I guess in its defense, Ferngully
1: One had a smaller budget to begin with, so it's kind of playing with the big boys at a disadvantage. But two, it was earlier in this renaissance, so it's not, you know. Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast—all these things that eventually came. It's like okay, the the atmosphere changed, so you, it's hard to judge fairly when Fern Gully came out early. But at Ferngully too, at that point, you're playing with the big boys. It's like you know, you're 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 standing next to to Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and you're you're bicep curling two pounds, and he's like lifting a small car. So it's just, you're right. What are you doing at that point?
0: I kind of want to go down the list here. <laughs> Of, uh, of, some of the films that this animation studio has done. Mm. Okay. Um, in 1988 was their first film. They did a film called Technical uh, Technological Threat. And They actually got an oh. Oscar nomination for it. I feel
1: bad gripping on this because it's a small independent firm. You know, right? hang, on, I, hang on, hang on, hang on, and hold on. on. I feel I did some reading, and I'm not sure. We'll continue down this road. But I read something along the lines of Disney kept trying to piss around with them and were like literally buying the space that they were occupying as a studio. Well, Disney hired them a couple them of times. Them. Okay, but I I'm not sure if there there
0: was some animosity at some points. So I'm. It turns out I'm a fan <laughs> of their work, but it's kind of goofy. Like right. <laughs> so. So of note, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. The title animation. Hmm. You know, like the beginning of the film where yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's animated. Yeah. Christmas Vacation. The title animation. Interesting. Son of the Pink Panther. The title animation, and and that's that's really kind of mm. like Fern Gully. Yeah. And they didn't even do Fern Gully's Fern Gully Two. They did the title animation for Bobby's World. Hmm. But, like, they didn't even do... They weren't attached to the sequel, and Hmm. it shows. Like, it's entirely different. It's entirely different. Um, (laughs) Alexa, just
1: in the background, just totally honed in on something you said and went off on me, but continue.
0: Interestingly, though, the actual Australian production company... Mm-hmm. that made this, like, the production, not the animation studio, but the production company that made this film. Um, They made Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Mm. Um, Fern Gully 2, The Magical Rescue. Mm. And then in 2001, they were defunct. Uh, like, that's it. Those are the two films <laughs> that they oh, made. Oh, man. And, uh, again, so it's just like, I. what do you Like, I'm curious. I would want to read up, like, Mm -hmm. does the story just get sadder? Like, what year did production begin (laughs) for... this, The sequel's release was scheduled for the original film's 5th anniversary in 1997, but was pushed back to March 17th, 1998, to avoid competition with other VHS releases, blah, blah, blah. So, but, like...
1: And just for the record, they wanted to avoid... Um, jingle all the way. Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas, which Tim Curry was in as well. Yeah,
0: Christmas Carol. Yeah, one of the many versions. Um. Also, the other thing that I read here, and this is hilarious, and this is like, I'm go- I'm, I'm going to edit this a little bit because it says some reviewers, but I'm going <laughs> to replace the word reviewers for hurt morons. <laughs> what? For ankle biting losers. What? Some ankle biting losers have commented that the 2009 James Cameron film Avatar <laughs> plagiarized thematic <laughs> and plot elements from Fern Gully.
1: Listen, I said that in my initial depressions. I didn't say that. I said that I got Avatar vibes. Mm-hmm. I did.
0: I did. Though others have stated it is simply one of the many films that Avatar is similar to. Or have missed the comparison entirely because I really struggle to believe that 1992 Avatar or James Cameron was sitting at home, popped in the Fern Gully VHS, finished the movie, credits are rolling. He stood (laughs) up and exclaimed, good Lord, I have an idea listen two things like nothing One, to do with it i think you're right
1: but two i do think it pokes some holes in the cup of avatar in that it's not that original of a story. It's a little been there, done that, whether you look at Pocahontas, well, sure. whether you look at Fern Gully. And so I do see a lot of similarities. And I think if you start connecting the dots between Fern Gully, you've got this external member joining with the camp and this connection with nature and trees and whatnot. But I agree, it's not a plagiarism thing. Yeah. Two things I, want, I,
0: I literally Certainly not say, of this film. Like, if, no. if, I'm, like, oh. if Avatar... Is guilty of plagiarizing. It's Hmm. not for Fern Gully.
1: (laughs) There's two more things. I'm going to say one more negative thing and one more positive thing. And then that's about like, that is, that's a wrap for me. It's not even a negative thing to be, to be honest. It's just, I think it's super random. So in the Wikipedia section for Fern Gully 2, the reception is literally a line and a half. And it says the film was less critically successful than the original. So that's, ouch, for starters. And then someone from the Calgary Herald gave a negative review lamenting the loss of Robin Williams in the originality in the first film. So I think that's super random that just this one quote from the Calgary Herald made it into the reception and review component of Fern Gully 2. Mm-hmm. But I will say, you know what? It is an interesting... Um, uh, sorry, interesting is the wrong word, but it is a valid... Um, message that they're trying to get across. I get where they're coming from, and it's a very cool story or message that they're trying to convey back in the 90s. And there was some corniness. Still relevant today. Still relevant today. And I still found some fun in the corny 90s-ness, whether it was the dude with his Walkman in the woods or with the spray paint. I still remember the spray paint moments from when he was a kid, or I specifically remember the fun scene where he's using terms from the 90s saying, you know, that's really cool, or that's hot, or you're bodacious, and just very 90s dude terms, and I thought it was very corny, so I got a kick out of some different things like that. Yeah. But you know what? It is just rough around the edges. The The soundtrack is a little so-so. The, the musical numbers by the, the characters are very so-so. So it it does show its flaws and its limited resources, so it it is what it is. But I will the- say... It. I, I tried watching this a few weeks ago, and I had to stop. This time, I watched it from b- beginning to end. And it, I I. I was able to tolerate a bit more, so I think Did I was you a bit.
0: At least, like, like do you do you use your kids as an excuse when you do? Do you like plop your kids in front of the TV and go, "Okay, guys, here we go. We're going to watch a movie." Depending on the movie, but for this.
1: My I, I tried to convince my th- four year old to watch it, and she she literally was
0: like, "No." Because I because I'll be honest, I picture you sitting in your basement in the dark, wrapped in a blanket with a bottle of scotch, watching <laughs> Fern Gully. Fern Gully, going, why why am I a part of this podcast? <laughs> yeah, I will say the last thing that I'll say yeah. is I I concede that if you were... This was my first viewing. Sure. 30 years old, this was my first viewing. I concede that if you were a kid in the 90s and this VHS was in the VCR during your childhood, Mm. then you probably liked it as a kid because kids have horrible taste. So, (laughs) you know, there's just like... All the movies I watched as a kid, all the kids' movies that I watched as a kid I enjoyed because they were just kids' movies, and I was a kid, and I watched them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm pretty nostalgic about most of them and will defend most of them and (laughs) overlook issues because I'm nostalgic about them. And so I I will concede that if you watched this as a kid, it probably holds a pretty special spot in your heart. Yeah. And I can see how it's it's just different enough. It's just, spe- it kind of falls, like, I think this film for many people lives in that spot that the Pagemaster lives in for me. Right. Right? Where it's like, it's not a carbon copy of all the other, it's, it's not like a, a big, wide-release Disney film. So the animation style is a little different, Mm -hmm. and the musical numbers maybe aren't there in the same way that they are in a Disney film, but you still, like, it's a fond memory. Yeah, that's fair. And so I'm not going to knock anybody that likes this film. I'm not going to knock anyone who watches. No. I mean, I don't. I usually don't ever do that, anyways, because no. all films subjective, with the exception of Lost in Translation. You're don't stupid you. if you like that film. Don't you? Um, but I'm not going to knock anyone who likes this film because they grew up with it and blah blah blah. Yep. I will just say, if you're in your thirties and this is your first time watching it, it's a rough watch. Like it's not great. Yep. Compared to a lot of other films. Of that time and genre even, mm. it's not great. Yep. So that's that's sort of my closing thought.
1: No, that's completely fair. I think I felt, I thought I was going to fall into that nostalgia camp. And the more I watched it, I realized I didn't remember any of it. So I think that's why I fell into the bit of a rough watch because sure. I didn't have what you were describing. But I can totally get behind that. And that makes sense to me. Yeah.
0: Okay, sir, scale of 0 to 10, how would you rate Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest? I was rough on it when I stopped watching it halfway through
1: the initial time, so I almost gave it a 2, but I watched it this time, so I would give it a 3 out of 10, just not my cup of tea, both for the reasons I said. Super low, just wasn't there for me this watch, and I didn't have any nostalgic factors with it, so... That's that's where I was with Man, it. Man,
0: two out of ten, three, or even three out of ten. Three out of ten is like, three out of ten is like even at the cottage and it's raining <laughs> and someone's got a gun to your head saying, watch Fern Gully, <laughs> you're thinking to yourself, I've had a Man. good run. <laughs> right? Like... <laughs> I don't need to do this I'm fine- i you know if this is how I go out, it's how I go out, <laughs> yeah, wow, okay um, cool, yeah, what do you give it out of ten well, um, I would give it I'm gonna give it a three out of ten as well, I think you know. It could be it could be worse i I think so much of that three out of ten I'm attributing to Robin Williams, like so much yeah, of it. yeah, um, and just other like you know anytime there's an animated thing where cheech and Chong show up, sure, I'm like, ah that's fun, yeah i love I love the um the oh no, what's the word um um. When two things are di- the dynamic between two things are different. The dichotomy. Mm. I enjoy the dichotomy of having the world's most famous potheads show up in so many children's <laughs> films.
1: It's so weird.
0: But that, but they it's do so right, random. like they show up in really so do. many things. Yeah. Um, and so, so I like that, right? Isn't like, isn't one of them or both of them? They're in like the Cars films.
1: Oh, that could be true. I'm not too familiar with cars, but that sounds I familiar. Think
0: when when Cheech showed up and he's like Uncle Felix or Uncle Max or whatever it is in Spy Kids. Like I just I, I enjoy I really enjoy that dichotomy. Yep. Nope. Um so. But yeah, it's it's for being your f- first watch <laughs> as an adult. And looking at it. And that's not just like, oh, I'm an adult, so I'm not into animation. No no. no, no. There are some incredible, like, movies that I did not watch as a kid that I can look at from the 90s now that are animated films as an adult and go, this is a great film. hmm Yep. Right? Like, Toy Story is Toy Story. And it's it's a pretty damn good film. Um, But I just, yeah, I don't think... You know, there's. I I think the really well done, good animated films of the '90s, and the 2000s, and the 2010s, and 2020s, and and what have you, are animated films that are for the kids, but they're also for the adults. Mm -hmm. And with the exception of Jim or of Robin Williams' performance in this, I think that this was very just directed before the, for the children. And it was yep. bizarre because it was almost like Robin Williams was there just to fill that gap and appease the parents. Because I think Robin Williams was getting away with lines in this that he wouldn't have even gotten away with in a Disney film.
1: And it's weird that you're saying this because of the content of pro-Earth, pro-being aware of climate change and whatnot. It's weird that there isn't more stuff garnered towards the adult audience yeah. That it's basically exclusively for kids.
0: Have Al Gore voice someone. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so yeah, three out of ten for both of us. What'd you watch this week? Cool. I watched a few things. Mm-hmm. I watched a film it's from nineteen like 1990- ninety
1: <laughs> from nineteen ninety four mm-hmm. called Maverick.
0: Ooh. Not top gun uh-huh. maverick, just Maverick. Just Maverick. Just a rip off. Just, just a blatant this- rip off.
1: So it's, it's a, uh, it's a comedy Western starring Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster, James Garner, the original Maverick and, uh, Graham Green and Alfred Molina. I forgot he was in it. Um, this, uh, protagonist needs money for a poker tournament, faces a lot of mishaps. It's a, a gaggy, you know, com comedic movie. I gave it uh, a 5 out of 10. You know, I watched it years and years ago, and I thought it was a lot funnier than it was. And I think maybe just, you know, it's a 90s film, so it maybe just didn't age the best. Some of the humor isn't as funny as I maybe, you know, as maybe it would have been in prior context. So it wasn't perfect. It was watchable. But when I watched it, I realized, okay, there are some things that I don't enjoy as much as I thought I would or I would remember. But an interesting watch, uh, for what I was interested in. So a five out of ten. I need to I interject.
0: Watched. Oh yeah, because I it just dawned on me. I'm like, Maverick is used a lot in the term, like he's a real maverick. Mm. Yep. And I'm like, well, what? Like, what is the origin? Mm. Like, why do we? Do you know the answer to this? This is amazing. I don't. I don't. So, so obviously, the definition of a maverick. Is an unorthodox or independent-minded person. Makes sense. Makes sense. The origin was a mid-nineteenth-century cattle farmer, Texas rancher, okay, 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 named Samuel A. Maverick. He lived from 1803 to 1870. Who chose not to brand his cattle? Huh. I which mean, was a, that, which was an unorthodox thing, and so that made him a maverick. I was and that's, say if
1: that that doesn't say bold, I don't know what is. Uh, <laughs> so there you so go, hard. moving forward. And he didn't
0: put sugar in his tea, which just uh, made him a real yeah.
1: badass.
0: So that's that's the origin, right? Tom Cruise's character is named Maverick because Top Gun of branded cattle. Yeah, yeah. There you go.
1: Um, I watched a 2011 comedy this time, uh, Mm. called Crazy Stupid Love. So good. So we've got Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling. You've seen it before. Yeah, we've reviewed it. we've reviewed it. Julian, back in the early days, it's like 20 or less episodes.
0: It could be my favorite Steve Carell movie. Yeah, I've been wanting to
1: watch. There's a movie I watched a long time ago of his called Beautiful Boy that has Timothy Charlotte. Is it Charlemagne or what's the guy from Dune? Ah, uh, Charlemagne. Charlemagne. Yeah, he's in it, and it's about a boy who has like addictions to meth and the the struggle that he faces Is that and the father Timothy faces.
0: Charlemagne in that?
1: Yeah, yeah. And you so made me has, watch that. I did, and so I've been curious to rewatch that. Just as you pose this question, what's your favorite Steve Carell movie? This is a strong role of his as well. So I just don't know what the answer is, but I've been wanting to rewatch that as well.
0: That's uh, Timothy Chalamet before anyone knew who Timothy Chalamet was. Yes. Big so fan. that's so interesting. Now I want to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, huh. right? Cool.
1: Um, but yeah, I watched it. I gave it a six out of 10. You know what? I think I've just seen it so many times that maybe it didn't hit as much as it used to in the past. Still has its heartwarming parts. It's still well written. It's got a lot of converging storylines that end up being converged in a in a comedic and fun way. Yeah. So uh, that reveal, the reveal that yes,
0: that uh, Emma Stone's character is is Steve Carell's daughter. So good. Don't blow that. You can't. The film came out in 2011. It doesn't matter. No, no, it's 12 years old. 13 years Uh, old. I'll do whatever I want. I know, but... My favorite yeah. moment in that, though, is when mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling, like, at the end with, like, the outdoor mini-putt scene where, like, everything is just unraveling and all coming mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. at once, mm-hmm. and Kevin Bacon's character shows up, and and they're like, David Lindhagen, David Lindhagen, mm-hmm. and then you just see Ryan Gosling go, David Lindhagen, and, like, goes, huh, and takes a, takes his ring off. As yeah. he steps out of frame, and then the next <laughs> shot is just him coming into a, the frame that Kevin Bacon's in with his fist and just punches him the F out. It's so <laughs> funny to me. Uh, but yeah, I gave it a 6
1: out of 10. It's still a solid film. Um, and just speaking of young Timothy Charlemagne, Charlemagne Rolls, Charlemagne, Charlemagne, I don't want to say Charlemagne, Charlemagne Rolls. It's technically it's even because, more
0: complicated than that.
1: Like because it's he's because, French. I think it's because I just watched. So I'm. I'm not going to say what I gave them, but I've been watching all the Indiana Jones movies to prep up for yep. Dial of Destiny. And there's a spot where uh, Sean Connery goes. I remembered my Charlemagne. Let the let the birds be the. I don't know.
0: I'm, I'm going to see if I can find it here. It's actually. It's so much more complicated than that because he's French. It's oh. not even Timothy. It's like Tim, Timothy something. James Cameron says it right, but I will, I'll find it.
1: Well, and I, I feel like I've booked, butchered it every single time, but I I'm, I keep saying Charlemagne because I just watched last crusade and Sean Connery's like, I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne. Let my armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the skies. <laughs> yep and but having sex with women on boats
0: yep as Some you do kind of it's the only way to end the film do. anyway
1: my point was um speaking of young tim rolls he is also one of his first credits is uh in interstellar where he plays young tom cooper he plays the sun in interstellar
0: weird
1: yeah I rewatched parts of Interstellar recently and blew my mind that that's who it was. The last thing I watched this week to wrap it up, and boy, if you guys could see me right now, I'm like stretching my hands and cracking my knuckles to break into this puppy. I watched a 2015 film that I gave 8 out of 10 and the Academy Award gave Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio an Oscar for. I watched The Revenant. Oh man, it's, it's so good. It's so good. If you if you or the listener have lived under a rock and you don't know what it's about, a frontiersman on a fur trading expedition in the 1820s fights for survival after being mauled by a bear and left for dead by members of his own hunting team. Directed <sighs> by Alejandro Inuritu. i oh, I'm butchering names to get there, but I think that's how you pronounce it. It's such a good movie. I, I, I've loved The Revenant. And I saw it in theaters. I remember just being amazed by the visuals on the big screen. And I was just transported. I was taken to Another World when I watched it the other day.
0: It's so good. And I wish the they film could, that finally won him his Oscar.
1: I wish they could give him another Oscar for it because it is so good. Good. <laughs> that's, that's, and I just feel it is just like it just hit. I was just in the right zone to watch it because mm-hmm. it visually is just so pleasing to watch all these landscapes pleasing is a weird way to say it because it's two hours of watching someone suffer but the the landscapes are majestic and cruel but majestic and it's just it was shot with all natural lighting which is incredible like what an incredible feat it was two hours of leonardo having minimal dialogue to begin with and then he just grunts for two hours and i buy it like it is just so convincing very tough role to play when you are not using words and spoken words you are just grunting and using facial gestures and just everything about it i think it's a masterpiece again i gave it an 8 out of 10 i would have given it higher but it's just one of those movies that you don't just throw in on a friday night cuz you're feeling like it like it isn't it's a it's an undertaking to watch because it's so uncomfortable it's so gritty it's so challenging to the viewer but it's so well done and I, I always had an appreciation for it and I, I need to reevaluate it. might be in my top 25 now just because it's such a strong piece of film. So anyway, The Revenant, I would recommend 10 out of 10 people check it out and watch it because it's so good. Oh, just so good. Man, it's good. I'm going to watch it tonight. What did you watch <laughs> this week? Are you actually? No, you're not. No, I won't. I don't have six hours to watch Leo Grunt,
0: but if I did. uh, So for the record it is officially from the mouth of the man himself <laughs> it is timothee oh, chalamet
1: timo oh man but it's it's, it's kind it
0: of one be. of those like technically ed sheeran is ed Sheeran. Oh, we all yeah, just say yeah. it wrong right right it's just it's just yeah it's just one nope. of those things nope. um, what i watched this week or since whenever the hell we talked last <laughs> um <laughs> Continued on with Loki, watching watching mm. Loki. Nice. Um, we watched the first two Indiana Jones films. Oh. And so walk me to. through
1: this just because first two, there's technically out of order. As yes, far as, so you're talking release date, right?
0: No, no, we watched chronologically. We started and with so Temple of Doom. walk me Dune. through
1: this. So you started with Temple of Doom, interesting. Started with
0: Temple of Doom and then moved on to Raiders. And I, listen, I don't know, I know I've seen Raiders. You and I, what, we reviewed Last Last Crusade? Last Crusade, Okay, so I've definitely seen Last Crusade, although I don't really remember it. Good, good, good. And I watched, for some reason, oh no, this was your, because I knew it was out of order. Mm -hmm, In prep mm -hmm. for watching, because I didn't grow up with Indiana Jones. Yeah. Okay. The first Indiana Jones movie I saw was Crystal Skull Sue Me. And spoiler alert, when
1: we review Dial of Destiny, I am probably going to be jumping into that driver's seat because I grew up with this. So this yeah. is no
0: worries. This yeah. is this is a big well, deal. Have at it. <laughs> um and so Yeah, so back then when we did Last Crusade, the only thing I watched in preparation was Raiders.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: I do remember that. And so this was my first time seeing Temple of Doom. Um and I think I think I'm aware that Temple of Doom is kind of widely like of the original trilogy, Temple of Doom mm. is kind of regarded as maybe the weaker of the three. Sure. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean, there's some good moments. I really, really love short round. Right. Like like Kihu Kwan is oh. just like, he's amazing. He's so yeah. good. Um, But it was like, it was kind of slow. It dragged a little. And yep. ultimately, the MacGuffin of the film isn't something that's as interesting as the Ark of the Covenant. Sure. Or yep. in Last Crusade, the Holy Grail. Right. Right. Yep. Those are like things that we all... But then to be like, well, you know, it's this magical stone. and <sighs> And it just like, at least for my knowledge of historical artifacts... It just didn't it didn't catch catch my interest. So it's, we watched we watched Temple of yeah. Doom, then we moved on to Last Crusade. Last Crusade is in some ways not as good as Temple of Doom, just in that it's it's even though it's only a couple of years older, mm. it feels like there's some much more primitive filmmaking techniques that are being used. Mm. Um but ultimately, it's a much better film.
1: So, sorry, you, you watch Temple of Doom, then Raiders, and you're thinking Raiders is just a little bit more primitive, but a better film.
0: But a better film. Gotcha, right? yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yes, you don't have Kee-Hoo but you have sure. John Rhys-Davies. Yeah. Who was just like, you know, I'm like, ah, it's <laughs> um, You have Alfred Molina in, like, brownface like very like nobody knows who alfred molina is at this
1: very point. young alfred molina yeah and just uh, in- interesting that uh i read this or watched this interview of him the other day and apparently in the tarantula scene he had for those who haven't seen it he he's in this cave and indy you know brushes a spider off his own shoulder and then brushes two or alfred, three off two or three at most and then Alfred Molina turns around and he's got dozens Hundreds. on his back. Yeah. And I guess um when they were filming so literally just some guy came in with a briefcase and opened them up and there was all these compartments with spiders in them which mm. is just wild and disgusting. Other- but I I guess they were all on his back and like they were just sitting there not doing anything. Right. So Spielberg and and whoever the spider guy or they're like okay hey, we got we got to make them do, like do something because they can't just like sit there like that's boring and so they had to pull out like a it's either a male or a female whatever was on his back was all of one gender and Uh. so they pulled out I think one female and then they all just went crazy and all started like crawling up and down Alfred Molina to which I'm just like screw it I don't need to be in Hollywood that much I'm not taking that gig like so you've you've
0: heard it here first the reason that scene is so good is because all of the tarantulas on his back on Alfred Molina's back we suddenly horny. And that's, <laughs> that is why. The other the interesting thing, that life. I, the other interesting thing I learned is there's this great scene in the film where, you know, it's one of the action, like fight scenes. And this mm. guy's got a sword and he's like flipping the sword around all crazy <laughs> and ready to go. And, and I think this is maybe a detail that like, we may have even talked about this in last, our last sure. crusade review, but I was yeah. reminded of it. That mm. Indy just takes out his gun and shoots the guy. Right. Right. And it's kind of one of those, like, don't bring a knife to a gunfight thing. <laughs> yeah. So, the guy that was twirling the knife spent mm. weeks, <laughs> weeks upon weeks oh, learning how to use, like, how to, how to you know, use this weapon. Yeah. And that was supposed to be, like, three <laughs> days of filming oh, this fight. That's wild. Except everybody on set, with the exception of Steven Spielberg, because Steven Spielberg would put gaff gaff tape over his mouth and nose when he showered and and traveled with a trunk of Spaghettios that he ate. <laughs> everybody on set, including Harrison Ford, was right. suffering from dysentery. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and couldn't be away from his his dressing room for. Oh man. Very long, yep, and so he was he approached Steven Spielberg and he was kind of like, Should I just shoot the son of a bitch? Yep, it's yeah, true, I mean, that's, that's what they did. So I watched those. Um, and lots of it, it does give a funny like, there's some payoff,
1: I guess, watching it out of order, you might not get that, but there's that moment in Temple of Doom where he grabs for his holster, yep. in a similar situation. But there's nothing there, so he's going, ah, oh, crap.
0: Yep. The other thing that I, I'm interested to see, and don't spoil anything, but mm-hmm. obviously Raiders famously ends with that shot of mm-hmm. the Ark of the Covenant being put into a crate mm-hmm. and stuck in this massive, like, government storage right. facility. Yep. Um. And I haven't seen Crystal Skull since it came out. I saw it in the drive-in.
1: Mm.
0: but i have a suspicion that whether it's in last crusade or it's in Chris, like i think we're going to see that room again Mm. and i'm not sure but i'm curious i but for some reason i think we do and so i'm Mm. curious to see if that pops up anyways that's that's, that is it i think that's all i've watched Mm -hmm. very cool Well,
1: thank you so much for listening. Thank you for voting. Thank you for following. Thank you for liking, subscribing. Thank you for giving us feedback and and, uh, reaching out to us. We do love it. It really fuels us. It gives us energy. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters that... uh, Support the show and keep the bills paid and the show running. If you're interested, check out our Patreon page below, our merchandise page below. It's ways for you to uh, help support the show and for, ways for us to give you perks back, whether it's increased voting power, whether it's the occasional bonus episode and bonus content. Just uh, check out and uh, search. And I don't have anything fun and witty to say other than I'm just shocked Mighty Ducks didn't win. I thought that was going to be a lock-in.
0: I thought Beethoven. Yeah. I thought that was a lock-in. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the hell is wrong with people. But I will tell you. Global warming, that's what's wrong. I've never seen Mighty Ducks. Mm. And I was genuinely not looking forward to watching it.
1: Oh, but it has your homie. What's the guy? Um, Emilio Estevez? Yeah.
0: How's that my homie?
1: I don't know. I think because I couldn't list his name if my life depended on it, but you are like you dropped it when we did our Mission Impossible episode. So I I just figured you Wait, were so because with I
0: know him. his because I know his name, I'm his homie?
1: Sure, in radio I mean, terms,
0: yes. That that puts me on a list <laughs> with Tom Cruise, Will nice. Smith. Oh nice. And like, Har- but those are, and like those Harvey are tip- Weinstein, so I don't. Okay, well, you're
1: picking like household names that everyone knows, like
0: Emilio. Everybody Bonderis knows Emilio Estevez. Whatever. He's Charlie Sheen's brother. He's the son of Martin Sheen. <laughs> well, that's something. Just because you don't know Emilio Estevez doesn't make him not a household name.
1: I'm just saying the examples you gave: Tom Cruise, the king of cinema, the mm-hmm. uh, the messiah of cinema, and the theater experience. Is not the same as Antonio Banderas or whatever his name is.
0: Antonio Banderas? What's,
1: I'm just joking. I what? mean, he's my Emilio homie too. S- I know Emilio his name. Estevan.
0: Estevez. See, uh, so uh, you mispronounced a Mexican. I think. Uh, I think that might mean you're racist. I'm not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You just confused. You were like. You're like. Emilio Estevez, ah, Antonio Banderas—I don't know, some Mexican name. Goodbye. Uh. <laughs>